Well, I know some of you were here this morning, but I just wanted to say again, thank you for those of you that prayed for me last week when I was in Hillsboro, Oregon, and we had just a tremendous, tremendous time. There was like 200 ladies there, and many were set free, many were healed, delivered, encouraged, filled up with joy, and the Sunday morning service was also outstanding up there, both Sunday morning services, so you got good seed up there in Hillsboro, Oregon, and one of the nights, um, their thing for the conference was glorious awakenings, and so the first night that I shared, the Lord had given me this phrase years ago, and it just came back up in my heart, are you glorious or grungy? So I talked along those lines, what it means to be glorious and what it means to be grungy. And we don't want to be grungy. And of course, I ended up, like I do many times, talking about it's better to be full instead of empty. Is that the case? And it's good to be drinking in of the right things. So I'm going to just kind of jump off there where we left off up there a little bit. And y'all weren't there, so you don't know where I left off. But we're going to start where I left off. <laughs> and I do have a question for you. What have you been drinking? And I'm not talking about Dr. Pepper, Coke, iced tea, lemonade, Gatorade. I'm not talking about that. We know tomorrow that it's going to be a huge barbecue day. Aren't you thankful for the nice weather? Thank you, Jesus, that we can get outside and enjoy the sunshine, the fresh air. And you can barbecue if you want to barbecue. But many times along with barbecue, if with people that don't know the Lord, also comes some drinking. And I'm not drinking in of a non-alcoholic beverage, drinking in of things that will alter your thinking and alter your behavior. And sometimes we, it's easy to spot a person who's been drinking or maybe who's been smoking a mind altering substance. Pastor mentioned this morning, you know, some of you need to, not you guys necessarily, but the, the nine o'clock crowd, particularly probably, and maybe the 11 o'clock crowd, <laughs> they need, know that they needed to cut off bad companionship. So all of y'all here, you don't have any bad influences in your life, right? You got good influences, but he talked about just because you're friends with somebody and they say, well, marijuana is legal now, weed's legal now, so let's just go smoke a joint just because it's it's legal doesn't make it right. But you can tell when somebody has been partaking of a mind-altering, behavior-altering substance. Yeah. Our attitude ought to be like this. Again, pastor's message this morning. If you weren't here, you should download that. You should listen to that. But one of the ways that to avoid temptation, this is something I grew up saying. My parents taught me this when I was little. I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't smoke, and I don't run around with those who do. So, you know, just live by that. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, actually, we, well, we won't go there. But we know that these things have an effect on our thinking, on our behavior, on our actions. But when it comes to the things of the Spirit, some Christians, not not any of you, but some Christians are kind of like one of our former presidents. He said he smoked pot, but he didn't inhale. So some Christians, it's easy to spot 
that they say they're born again, but they probably didn't inhale. They just maybe said a little prayer, but they haven't inhaled large doses of the word and they haven't drank in of the spirit of God. But when you are like the Sunday night crowd in Hayward that love Jesus enough to come on Sunday night to read the word, to drink in of the spirit, it's easy to spot a person who has inhaled. How many of you have inhaled? How many of you have drank of the spirit of the new wine? Well, one of the evidences of being full of the spirit is joy. Ha ha. Martha's got it over there. Ha ha. Everybody else say ha ha. Smile. Jesus is the joy of our salvation. We got Jesus on the inside going to show up on the outside. Amen. So we have Jesus that gives us joy. And Jesus also has given us a wonderful heavenly helper called the Holy Spirit. I know y'all have heard many sermons along this line, but could you just be happy and just say, I'm going to take another dose of the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm going to just stir that joy up on the inside of me. When we are full of the Holy Ghost, it affects our joy level. I love this scripture about the apostles. It's found in Acts chapter 13, verse 52, about the disciples. Are you a disciple? Are you a disciplined follower of Christ? Then this should be evident in, in your life. Acts thirteen fifty-two, and the disciples were continually filled throughout their souls with joy and the Holy Spirit. Joy and the Holy Spirit. Did you know that there's no such a thing as a sad Holy Ghost? You never are going to come in contact with the Holy Spirit, get filled and start drinking in of the Spirit of God and come away saying, Oh, I feel terrible. I feel so much worse. I went in and prayed in tongues. I went in and praised and worshiped the Lord. And what a waste of time. I just feel so much worse. No. Anybody get a testimony like that? Absolutely not. We pray in the Holy Spirit. We worship the Lord. We stir ourselves up. And one of the evidences that we have been praying in the Spirit, we've been in the Word, is there is joy. If you see a Christian that's sad, sorry, it's pretty good indication they've been drinking in of the wrong stuff. And some people will say, yeah, but I I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues 20 years ago. Well, that's awesome. But what about today? 20 years ago won't keep that joy stirred up on the inside of us. Because we leak. Have you encountered some things in the world that drain you spiritually and cause the very joy on the inside of you to be sapped out? Every single one of us have. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus over in Ephesians chapter 5 in verse 18. We'll just look at this one passage here in this chapter. The whole chapter is good though. But in the Amplified, Ephesians five eighteen, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but ever be filled. 
and stimulated with the Holy Spirit. Ever be filled. The original language there literally reads be being filled. It lets us know it's not a one time deal. It's a continuous action. I really don't understand how people get this. And most of you in here realize this, the importance of hydrating our physical body, the importance of drinking water. Just cause you drank water last week doesn't mean you don't need water today. You might've had a drink of water before you came in here. I had a drink of water during the worship time and I'll probably need one again real soon. So we get that in the natural that we need to drink in of water. Well, the Holy Spirit is the water, the living water of God. If we need to drink water in the natural, we need to drink in of the Spirit of God. If a person doesn't drink enough water, what's going to happen? They're going to get dehydrated. I googled this. Aren't you glad for Google? I said this. That humans need water and food to survive. At least 60% of the adult body is made up of water. A human can go without food for about three weeks. But would typically only last three or four days without water. So that tells us how important it is for our body to take in of water or we get dehydrated in the natural. I believe there's a lot of people in the body of Christ, unfortunately, Christians that are spiritually dehydrated. They haven't been drinking enough of the water of the Holy Spirit, been drinking in of the wrong things. Have you ever been tempted to drink in of worry and cares and fear and anxiety, anxiety, that's drinking something, but it's not drinking the right thing. We need to drink in of the right thing. And when we do, when we are full of the Holy Spirit, it will be evident in our life. It's not every day that you jump up and ah, feel like praising or running around your room, running down hallelujah hallway if you have one. Every day we don't feel like that. But every day we can take a drink of the Holy Spirit. Every day we can stir ourselves up by faith. We get born again by faith. We can pray in tongues by faith without a feeling. And if you do that on a regular basis, I guarantee you, according to the word of God, you'll hit a gusher and it won't be a drudgery. It'll be joy unspeakable and full of glory just to get in the presence of God and to keep your inner man stirred up. Wouldn't it be great to go into work with just a big smile on your face? To go into work happy? There's a thought. To go into work representing Jesus well. A couple of years ago, I had the honor of preaching at Lynette Hagen's Kindle the Flame conference there in uh, Oklahoma. Lots of women come there. A couple of thousand women come there. And as I was preparing to preach, the Lord gave me this phrase. I'll have what she is having. I'll have what she's having. Now, you all, most of you know my testimony. I have never been drunk on alcohol. 
And I have very seldom been in a bar unless pastor makes me eat in there. If there's too long of a wait somewhere, just sitting there to eat. But I've never bellied up to a bar in order to drink. And neither has he. But sometimes if there's tables in there, we eat in there. That's the closest I've ever gotten to a bar is eating in there. But the Holy Spirit has a great sense of humor. And many times he gives me these drunk illustrations. And I've never been drunk in the natural. But I have been a consumer of God's new wine for over 50 years. And it's so fine. It's so fine. God's new wine. And I will just attest to the fact that God's new wine gets better with age. And I'm believing I do too. In Jesus' name. God's new wine gets better with age. But the Lord gave me this illustration about I'll have what she's having. And the only way that personal experience I have from it, I know I could get a lot of witnesses in here, but I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But the only personal experience I have is watching movies on TV. And when people sometimes go into a bar and perhaps say they're drinking something and they look happy, fake happy by the way, but they look happy and they're all giddy and all of that stuff, somebody might walk in and say, I'll have what they're having. Looks like they're really having a good time. So I'll have what they're having. We know that's counterfeit. We know that's fake. We don't need to have what the world is having. We got the real deal. We don't need the counterfeit deal. But when we have been drinking in of the new wine, people ought to be able to look at our lives and say, Whoa, they're not worried. They're not concerned about all the stuff that's happening in the world. Whoa, they got peace. They're happy. Are you kidding me? They don't have any fear about tomorrow or what's going on in the world. You know what they're really saying? I'll have what she's having. I don't know what she has been drinking, but you know, I, I want some of that. I don't know what you're on, honey, but I'd like to be on that substance as well. That's the way our lives ought to project the goodness of God. When's the last time that somebody said to you, I'll have what you're having. I want what you've got. We ought to be living that way. Amen. Our lives are a testimony of who lives on the inside of us. And when we drink in of the right thing, people will be attracted to folks that are full of the right stuff. Amen. So I also want to talk about this. We talked about the Holy Spirit. When you're full of the Spirit, you're full of joy. And when I was coming home last Sunday night, this phrase kept going over in my spirit. And I started looking up some scriptures about it. I actually heard Keith Moore just mention it in a message. And it just went off on the inside of me. And the phrase is everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. So I looked up the definitions for everlasting. This stuff that we have. I don't want to call it stuff. This, the Holy Spirit. Jesus. The Word are not going to ever go out of style. There's never going to be any end to Jesus. There's never going to be no, there's never going to be a point where he says, okay, that's it. No more Holy Spirit poured out in the earth. No more love. No more peace. No. The things of God are everlasting. So I looked up these definitions for everlasting. Lasting 
enduring, continuing indefinitely. Eternal. Eternal. Things of God never, ever run out. Continuing indefinitely. His love, His compassion, His peace, His joy. How about His mercy? Aren't you glad that the Bible says that His mercies are new every morning? You might say, well, I didn't need mercy today. Well, you probably did and just didn't know it. We need mercy. We need mercy. That's why he said his mercies are new every morning. They don't run out. Hallelujah. Every single day we can tap into the mercy of God. How about the peace? Have you ever needed peace? Always we need peace. And Jesus is the prince of Peace. Hallelujah. There's no limit. I like this definition. Lasting, enduring, continuing indefinitely. When you come into the family of God and you receive Jesus, Jesus becomes our everything for all time. Is salvation a passing thing? Is salvation a limited offer? No. Salvation is eternal. We are eternal beings created in the likeness and image of God. We are not going to die and go in a grave and be dead. And that's it. Absolutely not. Our physical bodies pass away. But our spirits are eternal. And the things that we put into our spirits are eternal. What are you sowing into your heart? Are you sowing everlasting things? The Bible says lay up for yourselves. Don't lay up treasures that are corrupt, that rust and fade away, but lay up eternal treasures. What are eternal treasures? How about leading somebody to Jesus? That's an eternal reward that will never ever pass away. How about praying for somebody and them receiving their healing, even though their body may eventually die. But if we do the works of Jesus, those are eternal things that carry weights of glory and rewards that will never, ever pass away. Greeting at the back door, smiling at somebody, sowing love. These are eternal things. Leading people in worship like they did tonight. This is something of eternal value. So don't ever minimize what you do in the kingdom of God and being a blessing to people because it will never come to an end. It is continuing. It is indefinitely. Indefinite. Sowing those seeds. When you got salvation, we know that it was an eternal package. And joy is part of that package when we receive Jesus. The psalmist David, even though he wasn't born again, as we know, being born again, he knew he had a covenant with a covenant keeping God. And he said in Psalms chapter 51, verse 12, he said this, restore unto me 
the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Anybody happy when you got born again? Anybody remember what it joyous, how joyous it was to know that Jesus lived on the inside of you? Anybody remember the burdens that lifted off of you, the weight of sin that was gone when you declared Jesus is Lord? Aren't you glad that when you got born again, he made you glad? There's no song. There's no scripture that says he hath made me sad. He hath made me sad. That shouldn't be your theme song. As a Christian, our song ought to be he hath made me glad. He hath made me glad. I will rejoice for he hath made me glad. And it's a glad that the world didn't give us and the world can't take it away. Hallelujah. Think of it, folks. We got something to rejoice about. We got something to be glad about. We've got salvation. And the psalmist David said, restore unto me. There's some restoration that needs to take place even in here tonight. Some of you have forgotten how joyous it is to be saved. The cares of this world, they come to all of us and they choke the word and they weigh us down and we get caught up in all the things that we're having to deal with. We get surrounded by the lies of the devil. But let's just stop tonight and let's just think about, I've got everlasting joy. Joy that the world didn't give to me and it cannot take it away. And I'm going to choose to rejoice. It's a choice. Praise and be raised. Complain and remain. How about we praise the Lord more in this place tonight and be raised up. Hallelujah. Is it important To tap in to this everlasting joy that's on the inside of us. Would you all agree with me? Anybody agree that it's important to stir that joy up? To tap into that joy. Well, one of the reasons is that joy is a spiritual force. And joy produces strength. You are not going to go very far in this life if you're not strong. We have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. But it is such a time. And this time, this day and age that we live in is like no other. There's pools, there's drains, there's things that vie for our attention and try to distract us. And there are things that that just weigh even on our physical bodies sometimes. And there's that weakness just from going here and going there and this busy schedule and that busy schedule. That's why he said you need to know how to tap into your joy. Because it is strength. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, y'all know this scripture. The last part of it says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. The first part's good too. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them whom nothing is prepared. 
For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be sorry. That's a good point right there. We don't have to be sad, sorry, broke, busted, and disgusted. No, neither be sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. In Young's literal translation, I don't think we have that, but so just listen to this. For today is holy to your God, our God. Be not grieved for the joy of Jehovah is your strength. And then this one, the basic English Bible. Listen to this. Let there be no grief in your hearts for the joy of the Lord is your strong place. I like that. The joy of the Lord is your strong place. There's so much talk in our society about finding your happy place. You know, if you're at work and there's stress or in a relationship and and you're not feeling it right at the moment, people will say, find your happy place. Just go to your happy place. Whatever that may be, I guess in your thinking, you're supposed to go to Maui. I can tell you by experience that Disneyland is not the happiest place on earth, especially when there's millions of other people there. But some people, they say, find your happy place. As Christians, we don't have to find our happy place because we're already happy. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord and finding not our happy place, but our strong place. I said, do not be grieved. Do not be sad. Go to your strong place. Hallelujah. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him. When you're strong on the inside, it shows up on the outside. When you're full of the Holy Spirit and full of joy on the inside, it shows up on the outside. What do you do in those times when you don't sense that joy? When those times when you do feel weak? Well, you do what the Bible says in Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice. In the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice again and again and again. I say, rejoice. That's what took the Apostle Paul through all the tests, all the things that he faced. You think you faced some bad things? When's the last time that you were shipwrecked and bitten by a viper and stoned and left for dead? And the worst thing, persecuted by religious people. All these things that came against him. Yet he said, none of these things are going to move me. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish my course with joy. That ought to be our attitude. He's an example. We follow him as he followed Christ. In the book of Philippians, there's only four chapters in the book of Philippians. But don't do it right now, but you can count it later. The word joy or rejoice is mentioned 16 times in those four short chapters. And Paul wrote the book of Philippians, not from a beautiful resort in Hawaii. 
He wrote the book of Philippians in a prison in Rome. We saw it. It's a horrible pit, a horrible place. Yet he said, I'm going to choose to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Hallelujah. How about we lift our hands and just ha 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 for a moment. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. I choose to rejoice. Hallelujah. You know what happens when you put the word re in front of a word? It means you do it again. That's why he said rejoice in the Lord always and again. I say rejoice. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but if you had to repeat a grade in school, that meant you had to take it over. You had to do it again. (laughs) Rejoice. Do it again. Repeat. Do it again. Now I saw something when I was listening to Brother Moore. Let me ask you this. What usually tries to steal our joy it's thoughts it could be people and if they're sitting next to you don't look at them people people but a lot of times it's thoughts isn't it these thoughts come they don't like you they were mean to you you're not going to get that raise You're not going to get a good report. All these thoughts come to try to steal our joy. So I saw this in Isaiah chapter 35. Y'all got some more time here tonight? Isaiah 35 verse 10 in the New King James. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. And this is where I got my title. With what? Read that with me. Everlasting joy on their heads they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away and then he repeats it again in Isaiah chapter 51 verse 11 mouth of two or three witnesses here so the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, read it with me again, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Everlasting joy, lasting, enduring eternal no end to it that's what kind of joy and I find it interesting that he said on their heads on their heads have you ever just had to take the Bible and say okay those thoughts that are coming are crazy they're coming but they are not going to build a nest in my head birds are flying all around but I'm not going to let them build a nest in my hair so I'm going to put the word of God right on my head he said everlasting joy on our heads why is that because our thoughts are the battleground 
Our thoughts, the things that the enemy brings against your mind are the things that try to steal your joy. What are you supposed to do with those sad, sorry thoughts? Those thoughts of defeat. Those thoughts of fear. Those thoughts of worry. What are we supposed to do with them? Sit down and and write, well, I'm thinking this and I'm thinking that. I'm really afraid this is going to happen. No, don't, don't write it down and don't voice it. When those thoughts come that are trying to take away that everlasting joy on your head, that's what we do with it. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down arguments. Sometimes you don't, you know, you just have to state your case. The devil will say one thing, argue back and say, oh no, that's not the way it's going to be. But this is going to happen. No, no. Argue your case. Plead your case based upon the word of God. Casting down those arguments. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We got to slap it down. We got to cast it down. It's trying to come on your head to your mind. If you have to take your Bible and say, nope, no trespassing here. Everlasting joy is on my head. That's what I'm having. And if those thoughts that are coming, if they don't fall in line with what Philippians says, everything that is good, perfect, lovely, of a good report, cast it down. And don't let it steal your joy. Poor old me syndrome. Don't go there. Just don't go there. Brother Keith Moore says this, doubt, despairs, complains, and is sad. Faith rejoices, give thanks, and is glad. Did you get that? Doubt, despairs, complains, and is sad. But faith rejoices, gives thanks, and is glad. So which one are you? I'm glad. Who's glad? Hallelujah. Faith is inseparable from joy. Show me a person in faith and I'll show you a person full of joy. Why is that? There's no way that you can be standing in faith and be sad, sad, sad. Because when you are truly standing in faith and you know what the word says, you're going to be glad, glad, glad. Because you know what the outcome is going to be. You know that you are more than a conqueror. You know he always causes you to triumph. And you know that the devil cannot steal your joy. Brother Sabel used to say this. If Satan, he actually wrote a book on it. If Satan can't steal your joy, he can't keep your goods. Don't let him have your joy and don't let him steal your goods. You're in charge of your stuff. You are the guardian of your life. You are the protector. I feel like Star Wars, the protector of the force, guardians of the galaxy, whatever. We are not, we're not guardians of the galaxy, but we are guardians of our garden. You got a garden. 
You got your territory. You got your domain. Don't let him steal your joy. And he can't keep your goods. One last scripture here. Again in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 7. Instead of your shame. You shall have double. Everybody say double. Double honor. And instead of your confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess, say it again, double. Why? Because everlasting joy shall be theirs. When you stand and you believe for everlasting joy, guess what's going to show up in your life? Double. Double for your trouble. I know some of you have faced some trouble. You faced some difficult situations. But you ought to stand on this scripture. I'm getting double for my trouble. Some of you have been in situations that were associated with shame. Perhaps you were abused. Maybe you went through a divorce. Things that the devil tries to bring shame into your life about. But you ought to say, oh no, oh no, there's no shame because it's under the blood of Jesus. I'm not receiving shame. I'm receiving double, double honor, double for my trouble. Hallelujah. I was preaching this at a ladies meeting one time and it just came out of my mouth that somebody had been in a really bad abusive relationship. They'd gone through a terrible divorce and the Lord said, tell them I'm going to give them double. And I had to clarify and say, not two husbands. Who would want that? We don't want two of them. But he said he would give them double. One that treated them twice as good as the old rascal that had abused them. Whatever trouble that you have been in, you need to remember that everlasting joy will help you tap into the double. It all has to do with how you face it. It all has to do with how you faith it. Not just face it, but how you faith it. If you stand in faith and you declare the word of God, turn around. Double for your trouble. Because we've got everlasting joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How about y'all stand with me? Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) I know some of you are fanning. It's pretty warm in here. But you know what? It's not too warm to rejoice. It's not too warm to rejoice. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus. For everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. Joy. Joy that is everlasting is joy that outlasts the trouble. 
<laughs> oh, if you will stir up the joy, there will be that strength to outlast the test. You will be the last man standing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Everlasting, never coming to an end. Never coming to an end. Never defeated. Hallelujah. I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Can you lift your hands? Lift your voice. Let's just begin to back. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Let this message just be sealed in our hearts tonight. Everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. Double. Double. Double, 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 double for your trouble. Hallelujah. And stop accepting. And stop voicing words of defeat and words of despair. These scriptures that we read in Isaiah. Oh, hallelujah. It says they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Sighing. Sighing. You know, sighing's not good if you're just like... <sighs> sighing is just a sign of dread. Sighing is just a sign of, whew, whew, I can't take another thing. The pile on effect has happened. There's been trouble in the finances. There's been attacked on the body. The kids are acting like demon child. The dog's not even obeying. Just this pile on and you're just like, <sighs> Sighing. Sighing is not a sign of faith. Sighing is just like, I just hear that right now. Just, I can't take another thing. But these verses that we read said, sorrow and sighing shall flee away. And everlasting joy shall be upon their heads.